Hi, this is Ricardo, pastor of Journey Church Ventura. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our podcast. Hope you're having a great week. We hope it's life-giving and life-changing. Take care. I'm excited to get uh, continue the series, Mind Games. And uh, this, this game today, although it wasn't a mind game, it was definitely a, 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 a tug-of-war of wills, if you will, uh, which this last one was competitive, man. That was really fun. You, everybody did a great job. Um, but we're in this game of tug-of-war in our minds. And when we go through this, and you're going to relate to this in just a minute, but when we go through these mind games, we realize that so much starts right here. Everything starts in the mind. And so what goes in is going to come out, and what starts here in a thought, in, a, in an idea, in a, in a concept, is going to come out in an action or a behavior or a belief, and it all starts right here in the mind. And so we are going to continue the, uh, this, this idea of mind games. And when you have things going on in your mind, answer me this, or you don't have to answer, but you can think about it. When you're, when you're going through a temptation, that temptation is pulling both ways. That temptation is pulling, I want to go God's way, and then I want to go my way, or the flesh way, right? You, 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 you feel like it's pulling against, there's this tug of war that's going on in your mind, I want to please myself, or I want to please God. And not always is, is pleasing God, not pleasing ourselves, but quite often when we want to go our own way, we, we're going just maybe the opposite way that God wants us to go. And there's this tug of war that's happening, this tug of war that's going on in our lives when we, <clears throat> everything okay? Oh, all right. This tug of war that's going on in our lives, in our minds, and how do we deal with that tug of war? What is that tug of war? What is that, the push and the, or the pull that's trying to get you to go one way and the pull that's trying to get you to go the other way? It happens in all of us. There's nothing to be ashamed of. There's nothing to be, uh, 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 feel guilty about other than the fact that when the Holy Spirit starts speaking to you and you're going the other way and he's pulling you that way, um, you, we got to give up. We got to surrender. There was a point where I saw this team right here realize that this team was going to win. And I love that because there was a, there, that's a perfect illustration of when we start understanding that if we would just release, we would go the direction that God wants us to go. We would end up that direction. But sometimes we keep pulling and tugging and pulling and tugging. And, and God's a, a gentleman. God is somebody that is not going to force us or, or uh, uh, push us in a direction. He's going to ask us to follow him. He's going to ask us to come his way. And when he puts it on our hearts to follow him, that's when the tug of war starts. Because our flesh wants to go the other way. Our flesh wants to go the opposite direction that God wants us to go. That's what happens in our heads. Each day there's this mind game, there's this tug of war that is going on. The main thought today that we want to keep in mind is simply this, is we cannot overcome sin or live by the law or rules. <clears throat> so we have to set our minds on the things of the Holy Spirit. Listen to this. We cannot overcome sin or live by the rules. So we have to set our minds on the things of the Holy Spirit. And this will all make sense in just a few moments. The big question is this. How do we win the tug-of-war between our flesh and the Spirit of God? How do we win this tug-of-war? How do we go the direction that we should go rather than the direction that we shouldn't go? 
How do we win this tug of war? And all of us go through it. There's, there's, uh, all of us are tempted at times to, maybe you, you're tempted to tell a little lie. Maybe you're tempted to look at something you shouldn't be looking at. Maybe you're tempted to uh, um, uh, gossip a little bit. Maybe you're tempted to uh, have envy of, of people. You just want what they have. And, and you, you just can't get your mind off of what they have, and you feel less of a person because you're comparing yourself to others. Real, but believe it or not, that is not of God. There's a tug of war that goes on in our minds. And it's what I want this, God wants me to go this way, and I, I, I need to understand how to do that. How do we do that? How do we experience the full uh, uh, experience of knowing that God is in control of our lives and that we don't have to tug against him all the time? We can just give in and give up and go the direction that he's, he's pulling our hearts to go. Well, in, in Romans chapter 7, there is a great passage of scripture that you're going to relate to so well. And it's, it, it goes like this. In, in Romans chapter 7, verse 14, it says this. We know that the law is spiritual, and the law in this context is, are the rules of faith. They are the um, Old Testament rules that the Jews used to live by, the Torah, and, and all the laws that were, were created. We know that the law is spiritual. We know that it, it affects our heart. But I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. Isn't that interesting? Paul says to the Romans, he says, we know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual. In other words, the law is good, but I am bad. The law is good, but I am bad. Sold as a slave to sin. That simply means that we are ones that are caught up. We're, we're slaves to this way of life and leaning in this direction that, that um, we want to go. And if, if it was up to our willpower, if it was up to our own strength, if it's up to our, our own uh, want and wishes, we would go the direction of our flesh, leading us to sin rather than to the direction that leads us to life. And then it says in verse 15, and here's what I, I, I love this passage of scripture. It says this. It says, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. Does that sound like something that goes on in our heads every once in a while? <laughs> I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. This is simply saying that we have this struggle that's going on in our heads. I want to do the right thing, but I don't end up doing it. I tell myself in my head, yeah, go that direction, but then I end up going the other direction. I hear the flesh calling and the tug of war that's pulling me this direction. Instead, I, 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 and I go that direction instead of where the Holy Spirit also is speaking in my head, hey, go this direction, and I want to go that way. And so we end up in this conundrum of this battle. It goes on in verse 7. It says, as it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but sin living in me. It's this thing inside of me that is making me sin. It's this, th it's this thing. It's called the sin nature that we're all born into. All of us need Jesus. Why? Because we all have a sin nature in us. We all have a desire to do our own thing, to go our own way, to please our own flesh, to do those things that don't please God. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me. Paul is being very candid here. I love the Bible because the Bible is real. 
doesn't mess around. It doesn't pull any punches. It doesn't candy coat things. He just says that, honestly, I'm messed up. I'm messed up. And I love that because we're all messed up. If we were, if we were willing to admit the truth about ourselves, we're all messed up and we need Jesus. Amen? Amen. All right. <clears throat> I, I know that's a hard one to honk on, but it's a good one. It's a good honker. All right? For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, I, this I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I want, do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. There's a sin nature here. And it's this tug of war. I, I want to do the right thing, but I end up doing the wrong thing. I end up looking at the things that I shouldn't look at when I knew that I shouldn't have looked at it. I knew that I, and, and it's this thing that just keeps going and bubbling and struggling. And, and you know, I, sh- I knew I shouldn't have said that to a friend, or I, I knew I shouldn't have gossiped about that individual. I knew I shouldn't have lied and told the untruth about that. I knew I shouldn't have done that. And all in the, our head, there was this tug of war at the moment. But quite often, the flesh wins. There's these, these things called sins of omission and sins of commission. Are you familiar with that? Sins of omission. Omission means you leave something out or you don't do what you should do. Sins of commission means that you're doing things that uh, you, you shouldn't be doing. So sins of commission are sins that you do. Sins of omission are sins of things that you should be doing but you're not. So sins of omission are not doing the right things and sins of commission are doing the wrong things. Does that make sense? And that's what's going on here. He says, for I do, I do not do the good I want to do. That's a sin of omission. I'm leaving out the good things that I should be doing. And, uh, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. So when we're going through times of choosing between right and wrong, we're actually choosing between a sin of omission and a sin of commission. Should I do the right thing? That's the sin of omission when we choose not to do the right thing. Sin of commission is when we choose to do the wrong thing. And that's what the struggle is in our hearts, is where do I, how do I get this strength to do the right thing? How do I get this strength to do all that we're supposed to do? Now, here's, here's the reality. Here's the power of this message. And it is simply this, is that in verse 21, it says this, so I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work in me. That's a lot of words to simply say this, that we have to understand that there are two things we need to stop trying to do. One is... Don't give in to the law of sin. In other words, we try so hard not to sin that we fail. We try so hard not to sin that we fail. And the other thing is we try so hard to follow the rules that we fail. Now, this, this, is, getting, this is getting dicey, but you're going to hear the answer to this in just a moment. Because it's like, what? You mean I should stop trying not to sin? You mean I should stop trying not to, f- or stop trying to follow the law? Well, those are the two things that are tripping you up. Because number one, you think that you have the power to not sin. You think 
You have the power. We think we have the power. If I just will myself, I can, oh, I'm not going to sin. I'm so tempted right now, but I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. And we, in our own strength, then we go, oh, okay, I give up. And we let go of the rope, and we let the enemy pull us in his direction. The other, the other way we mess up is we think, okay, I'm going to earn my way to, into God's favor, and I'm just going to do everything I can to follow all the rules. And, and what happens is we become a religious people rather than relational people. Because religious people are all about following the rules and following the regulations. If you, if you find yourself measuring yourself by how many verses you read in the Bible, by how spiritual you are, you're likely more religious than you are relational. If you find yourself counting how many minutes you pray and, and judging that if I'm praying 15 minutes, I'm a spiritual person, but if I only pray 10, I'm not that spiritual, then you're probably leaning more towards the, uh, the, the regulation side of life than the relationship side of life. Because what God wants is a relationship with you, and we have to understand that we don't have the power in ourselves to not sin, nor do we have the power in ourselves to be righteous. Does that give you hope? <laughs> I understand. You're probably going, oh, well, then how do we win? What happens here? How, do, how does this work? And, and Paul is like, in, in, verse, in chapter 7, he's like, I, I do what I don't want to do. I do what I do want to do. I, I mean, I don't do what I do want to do. I don't uh, I, I do what I don't want to do, and this, this struggle. I love this passage of Scripture because it gets real with us, and it allows us to be real. And I hope that you feel like for this moment in your spiritual life that you can just go, yeah, I struggle. I, I'm playing tug-of-war all the time in my head, and I want to get out of this tug-of-war experience. Paul, in verse 24, says this, and this is the emotion of this experience. He's getting emotional, and maybe you've been emotional. Maybe you've kind of gotten to that point in your life where you're just like, man, I don't. I remember when I became a Christian, and I grew up in, a, in kind of a holiness movement, and the holiness movement was all about you got to do everything right because if you don't do something right, if Jesus comes at that very moment, you're not going to heaven, you're going to hell. And so everything in my life, when I first became a Christian, was I got to attempt to be holy. I got to attempt to do everything right. And I couldn't. I was falling into sin. I was getting into bad relationships. I was doing all kinds of crazy stuff after I became a Christian. And I got to a point where I felt like I was so disappointing God that if I can't please God, I don't need to live anymore. And I actually considered suicide. And I went and I talked to a pastor, my fr a friend of mine at that time, and he goes, well, you got to stop trying so hard. I'm like, what? He says, you got to stop trying so hard. Stop trying to make it your thing, and you need to just get next to Jesus and, and let Jesus grow this stuff out of you. Let Jesus grow this stuff out of you because the Jesus that's in you is more powerful than the stuff that's out there. Yeah, and all of a sudden it began, began to make more sense. And I'm not saying I've perfected this by any means because I still have these tugs and these pulls and every, all the world always pulling at me and all the, the, the Holy Spirit's always pulling at me and there's always this tug of war going on. And I pray and I hope that Jesus always, or at least most, more often wins than loses. He definitely has a winning record in my life and I praise God for that. 
But what a, <clears throat> yeah, Paul says this, what a wretched man am I? What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Can you hear Paul's like, oh, I, got, I can't stop this thing that just seems to take control. And then he says in verse 25, hear it, hear it clearly. Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself, in my mind, am a slave to God's law, but in my sinful nature, a slave to the law of sin. He's simply saying that Jesus is the answer. Yes, I am a slave to sin. I have a body, a physical body that wants to go and do its own thing. I have a sin nature in me that wants to do its own thing. But because God came into my life, I can win this battle. I can win this battle. So the solution is this. In, verse, in, in chapter 8, verse 1, it says simply this. Therefore, there is now no condemnation, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of uh, uh, the, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Listen to it again. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you believe that you have gotten to the point where you have sinned so much that God can never redeem you, you're wrong. There is no condemnation for you. If you believe that you can't live a righteous life and you're having problems following that righteousness, that you, there is no condemnation for you. Why? Because we are no longer under the law, no, no, nor are we under the law of sin. We are, un, it, we are saved by the righteousness of Christ in us. He's the one who makes us right. He's the one who gives us the, the peace and the comfort to know that we are completely forgiven, that we have the ability and strength, not on our own, but by the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen to how this passage continues to go. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh. In other words, we cannot make ourselves righteous because our flesh is weak. It says, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. Jesus did what we could not do and cannot do. He lived a perfect life. He came here born of a virgin. He came here, lived a perfect life, sinless, tempted in every way as we are, and yet he did not sin so that he could be an adequate offering of redemption for your sin and my sin. And we can praise God for that. He's the one. He's the one that did the work. He's the one. And so he condemns sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us. Did you hear that? In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us. In other words, we don't have to keep trying to meet all the rules and regulations. We can't earn our way to heaven. We can't earn our salvation. It is a gift. It is a gift of grace, and it is by God's grace that you and I are saved. We can't work ourselves up. That's what he was saying earlier in chapter 7. I am a slave to sin. I don't have the power to make this right, and I need to continue to just depend on the power of the Holy Spirit in us. No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It's powerful, powerful. Listen to verse 5. It says, Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set 
on what that flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. Have you ever heard me tell the story of uh, a, a guy that had two dogs? And he was up in Alaska, and he brought these two dogs for a dog fight. And he would always bring these two dogs, and he would, he would uh, throw a dog in the ring, and, and they would fight. These, these, these two dogs would fight, and he would always bet on, on a different dog. And he would always win. And the people said, hey, how, how, did, how does that happen? You throw these, these dogs in, and they win, and you know which one's going to win. How is that? He goes, I know because I feed the dog that's going to win, and I don't feed the other dog. What dog are you feeding? What dog are you feeding? Because if, if you know which dog is going to win by feed, which dog you feed, then which dog do you feed in your life? Do you feed the flesh or do you feed the spirit? Do you raise up the flesh and you feed the, the, the things that are going to satisfy the flesh or are you s- feeding the spirit in you? And if you, you know what dog's going to win in your life, you do, just do a little evaluation right now. What kind of input are you, how are you feeding your spirit? Or are you just simply feeding your flesh? Are you looking at stuff that's feeding your flesh and you're giving your attention to all the fleshly things of this world rather than the spiritual things and you're not doing anything to feed the spirit dog, but you're doing everything to feed the flesh dog. Guess what dog's going to win in the fight? The flesh dog. And vice versa, it's true. Those who have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. And that simply says that we have to become spiritual people. Here's the answer to the question. How do we know, how do we win the tug of war? How do we let the spirit win every time we become spiritual people and not just flesh people? We become spiritual people and not just flesh people. I'm convinced that the missing ingredient in most people's lives is that they are trying so hard in their flesh to win by the law or to not sin and, and, and we fail in both categories. But when we will allow the Holy Spirit to come in and take over and become spiritual in us, and we allow ourselves to become spiritual people rather than the primary focus of our flesh, we, we, we have the primary focus of our spirit and the Holy Spirit leading us, then the tug of war is over. And the, the flesh loses and the spirit wins. Listen to this last passage of scripture and we'll wrap it up right here. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the spirit. If you have your Bibles, if you have a, 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 uh, an iPhone and you are uh, looking at your iPhone, highlight this passage of scripture right here because Paul is acknowledging to the Roman Christians, he's saying simply this, you, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the spirit. In other words, you are spiritual people. You have the Holy Spirit in you. There is no reason to lose the battle because the power, not your power, not your willpower, not your mind power, but the Holy Spirit's power is in you. Listen to this. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ, but Christ is in you. 
Even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. The Spirit lives in us. And then here is the crux of the whole reality that is true in all of us. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give you life to your mortal bodies because of His Spirit who lives in you. If the Spirit is in me, then I am victorious over anything that this body hungers for, over anything that this body wants to go for. There is not one side of that rope that is more powerful than the Holy Spirit on the other side of the rope. And we win. We win every single time when we subject ourselves and and submit ourselves to the leading of the Holy Spirit. You see, it's the resurrection power and the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead. The most powerful moment in history was when he brought Jesus right out of that grave and brought him into our world and into heaven. And it was that power that lives in you and me. And so there's no sin, there's no power, there's no influence in our lives if we will just submit ourselves to the power of the Holy Spirit that is now in you and me. We need to be spiritual people. We need to be spiritual people, not fleshly people. We need to be, uh, some people use the word carnal Christians, and they say that's an oxymoron. There's no such thing as a carnal Christian. I'm not sure I believe that, but the idea of, of us being carnal rather than spiritual, I believe that we need to raise up the spirit that is in us and submit to him, and he is the anchor on that rope that will win every tug-of-war battle in our lives if we will just give our lives to him. Let's be spiritual people. Let's be spiritual people. How do we do that? We must admit we are helpless. We must admit that we are helpless. We cannot. We cannot overcome sin in our own power, and we cannot live righteously in our own power. It's impossible. The Bible's clear about that, that we, our flesh made the law weak in the, in the sense that our flesh is incapable of doing all that it takes to to be righteous, and especially righteous enough to get into heaven. We can't do it without Jesus' help and with the power of the Holy Spirit. We can't avoid sin without the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's for that reason that we need to become spiritual people. We must admit we are helpless. We must stop trying to earn our way to salvation. Some of you are so worried about making a mistake that you're not going to get to heaven. That's not the question to ask. That's not the worry to have. The worry is, Holy Spirit, are you in control of my life? Am I being a spiritual person? Am I allowing your spirit to be in control of my life? And when we become spiritual people, and we hear God's voice, and we follow His ways, and we walk in His path because His Spirit is leading us, then we win the tug-of-war. And He wins the tug-of-war. What must we do, uh, <clears throat> what must we do uh, to, take, to become spiritual people? It's simple, and, it's, but, and yet it's really complicated. Time with God. We cannot be spiritual people if we don't connect with the Spirit. He lives in us, and therefore we need to just let him speak to us. And time with him is the only way to let that spirit become a reality in our lives. We need time in his word. It's not the amount of verses that you read. It's the amount of speaking he does to our hearts in scripture. Sometimes there's days where I just read a phrase, and I'm like, okay, stop right there. 
That's plenty. And there are other days where I'll read a chapter, two chapters, three chapters, however many. But I just want to get together with God. His word is him revealing himself to us. That's what the Bible is. It's his revelation of God to man. And that is the beauty of that, that Bible is that it speaks to our, our spirit. If you're reading it and trying to check off the, the, the little rules and regulations in the Bible, you have a religion in your life, not a relationship. But if you're reading it and going, oh man, God, thank you so much for sharing that with me. I love that, God. That's a sweet piece of, of, of taquito that you just gave to me. And uh, it's a beautiful piece of food, spiritual food that's feeding my soul. That's the way God works. And the last thing we must do is we need to spend time with spiritual people. I love hanging out with spiritual people because they speak into your life and they give you life. If you're hanging out with carnal people, they're draining you. They're taking it out of you. And I'm not saying we shouldn't hang out with carnal people, but we better be there to be a witness rather than to, to, to receive. And we need to be there to be a testimony of what a spiritual person lives like and looks like and, and, and holds in our hearts. And then when we start doing that, then we get up. But if you need spirit talk in your life, hang out with spirit people. People that are walking in step with Jesus. Because if you're not, you're just getting sucked dry and you're being led down a different path. And the tug of war, you're going to lose. God has a plan for all of us, you guys. And that plan is for us to be spiritual. Why? Because He is spirit. And when we connect with Him on a spiritual level, instead of the flesh or instead of trying to uh, obey all the rules and the regulations, I, I, I hate the word religion. And you'll hear me say this often. As, as time goes on. But religion is not what we're looking for. Relationship is. And when we can get to that point where we start following the rules and we start following relationship, the, 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 the righteousness comes out of that relationship. And it's a beautiful thing. But when we get the Holy Spirit leading and guiding us, you can't go wrong. You can't go wrong. My prayer for you today is simply this, is that we would admit that we are powerless and that we need God's help to live a life that he wants us to live. We must stop trying to earn our salvation and, and, and stop doing that because Jesus did that and it's an act of grace. It's a gift. It's not something you earn and it, it's something we receive and we must do what it takes to become spiritual people by t spending time with God, spending time in his word and spending time with spiritual people. God, we just thank you so much that you're speaking to our hearts today. Lord, we, we do go through this tug of war every single day. Sometimes it seems like every moment the world is trying to tug us one way, and God, you're trying to tug us another. And God, when our flesh is in control, we go that, the world's way, and when, our, when we submit to your spirit, we go your way. Lord, help us to become spiritual people not living by the things of this world, but by your spirit and having your spirit control our lives. Lord, I pray for your strength and your power to move in us. I pray that you would help us to all become spiritual people, aware of the things of the spirit rather than of the flesh. Lord, we're so accustomed to our, our senses, our touch, our feel, our smell, our taste, all the things. And God, we just pray that you help us to get beyond those things to knowing how to connect with you spiritually so that we can be led by your spirit every day, every moment, in every situation and circumstance. 
so that you win the tug of war and not our flesh. Lord, I pray for your blessing to be on every heart and every mind today. If you're here today as a someone online or on, in, on site and you haven't yet had a relationship with Jesus Christ and you've realized today that you've been uh, uh, maybe following the world but you're not following God's way. You're ready to give your heart to Jesus and say, Jesus, I, I need your help. I cannot do this on my own. Then all you have to say is, Jesus, I'm a sinner and I accept the forgiveness that you provide through the work on your cross. Forgive me of my sins. And Lord, I believe that you were raised from the dead and today you live eternally. You confess that with your mouth and, and you commit to follow Jesus as your Lord and leader, you are saved. So pray this little prayer with me. Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I accept your forgiveness because of the work you've done on the cross. And I believe that you were raised from the dead and that you today live eternally and give me hope for eternal life with you. And I commit to follow you for the rest of my life. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, you just accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. The best decision you could ever make in your life. And then I pray that God will just do some very, very special things in you. As you, as all of us, become more spiritual people. Spiritually aware of who God is. So I want to invite you guys to finish today's service as we worship with Ron and the band, and God bless you guys, and we love you. Thank you so much uh, for your, your words of appreciation. We appreciate that as well. Bye-bye. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to join your journey, and I hope the message made a big difference in your life. And if it did, we just encourage you to go to journeychurchventura.com and let us know. Also, be free to share this message with your friends and family. We just love to impact as many people as we can. Once again, thank you for joining us at Journey Church Ventura.